Hello, this is Dr. Marty Lustig, SVP with NextGen Healthcare and a principal with NextGen Advisors. Recently, NextGen Healthcare partnered with Intelligent Media to conduct a national survey of provider organizations who offer behavioral health and primary care services. We had a few objectives in conducting this survey. One, to gain a better understanding of how integrated these service lines were in each provider practice. Another, to learn how practices were using technology solutions to support their services. And finally, to learn what challenges practices are experiencing if they're utilizing more than one EHR to meet the distinct needs of these patient populations. I'm joined again today by my colleagues, Graham Brown and Dr. Betty Rabinowitz, to discuss the findings and their implications. First, let me talk a little about the respondents to put this in context. We heard back from a broad base of organization types. About half were from health systems or physician groups that are affiliated with the health system. And half were from smaller organizations such as FQHCs, home health agencies, community clinics, independent physician group practices, and dedicated behavioral health organizations. Respondents held many functions within their organizations such as chief executives, clinical, financial management, and other senior management in IT and non-IT roles. Let's start with the big picture. Most organizations indicate they intended to fully integrate their behavioral health and primary care services. Graham, what did our data uncover in this area? Hi, Marty. Nice to be with you today. Interestingly, the, the data showed that integration is an active focus of about half of the practices that we surveyed. Uh, these organizations that are providing both primary care and behavioral health services. And that's really a great trend to see as this tends to foster more patient-centered care and can help difficult to serve populations get better access to care when both these services are provided together. It certainly helps with continuity when the same provider organizations can share information about the patients they're working with. So interestingly then, if we look at that group, of the 50% that are actively working on integration, they split fairly evenly in terms of where they are on that integration journey. About a third of them have an intent, but no real plan in place right now. A third of them are in the planning stage, and about a third are testing or rolling out those plans to integrate these two service lines. Over 40% indicated they have integrated these services already. So they pass the planning stage, but continue to work on these programs to optimize that integration for their practice and for the patients that they're serving. Finally, for those that are integrating uh, fully, 75% expect that their organization is going to offer these fully integrated services within the next two years. So there's really a lot happening in this space and a lot of active movement beyond these practices behalf. Yeah. Thank you, Graham. It's interesting that they're making as much progress. I was a little bit surprised myself uh, to see that they uh, at least believe they're that far, many of them are that far down the path. Um, next, the, the survey itself looked at what technology functions practice had implemented. Betty, can you talk about the capabilities practices are using today to serve their practices? Sure. So interestingly, we found that uh, the survey respondents had, uh, not surprisingly, uh, over 50%, 56% of them had behavioral health specific workflows, and 63% uh, 
reported that they were participating in data exchange. It's difficult to know exactly what people refer to when they said data exchange, but uh, clearly sending data or receiving data from other um, entities outside of their organization, either through an HAE or other uh, capabilities uh, were referred to. Mobile integration, only uh, less than about 44% of respondents said that they had integration of uh, mobile capabilities. What was reassuring and exciting to see was that Patient Portal had about 71% of respondents react that they uh, had that uh, capability. So clearly, in this certainly post-COVID or midst of COVID year, interoperability as well as patient engagement through a patient portal and of course telehealth capabilities, 70% of respondents uh, said that they had telehealth uh, capabilities were emphasized, implemented and being uh, utilized. There was less capabilities around mobile population health management and some of the workflow specifically in primary care in the behavioral health groups and behavioral health in the primary care uh, practices. So clearly some opportunities there to equalize or create parity in uh, those capabilities among the groups. And it's also clear that there's great opportunity to create efficiencies in those practices because uh, clearly the services for behavioral health and, and primary care w- were somewhat separate. Yeah. yeah, I had a couple of questions about it. I, I wonder what your thoughts are. One of them, the two things that kind of stuck out to me is that uh, as many as 62% of the behavioral health providers said that they had physical health specific workflows. And the other surprise to me was that in the neighborhood of 30% of the practices in behavioral health and uh, physical medicine did not have telehealth capabilities. And given the last year of the pandemic, that that actually surprised me that there were that many. I think both observations are uh, very interesting. I think it, it really depends on, for example, if you are capturing a weight blood pressure and temperature. I wonder if respondents were referring to that as physical medicine templates or data fields or capabilities, or if there was even a small template that allowed them to describe a physical exam, a a rudimentary or basic physical exam. I think as a respondent, I would say that we do have some capabilities to attend to physical health. So In our next survey, I think we can get a bit more granular and try and ascertain exactly what people were referring to because I was surprised by it as well. I wonder, Marty, if the services that some of the folks were were providing in behavioral health just didn't lend themselves to telehealth, and that's the 30% that didn't have the telehealth services. One of the other areas that I thought was interesting that came from the survey results was that for many organizations to achieve this level of functionality, they actually had to acquire two electronic health records, one that was operating in their primary care practice and one their behavioral health practice. And we did uh, discern some of the different capabilities of each of those different solutions. 
And there really is a, a lot of variability in terms of what these products provide in the different areas. And uh, for those organizations that were using more than one EHR, 48% of practices, that's, that's you know, almost half of these practices are having to navigate that world. Um, so that has some implications. So let's move on to some of the other uh, takeaways from these findings. It, it stuck out to me how the leaders responded when we asked about what challenges their organizations face and if they did use more, specifically if they did use more than one EHR. So Graham, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the organizations, you know, at the end of the day had to have higher operating costs and extra staff. So they have specialists that can work within each of these tools, customize the tools, keep them up and running, make sure that they're working properly. So they're having to staff uh, the back end a little bit differently. When we think about the impact of patients, though, if you're getting your primary care and your behavioral health services out of the same organization and they've got tools that are tracking how your care is being provided, but those tools aren't speaking to each other, that really suggests that there's probably a lack of coordination that's occurring between uh, the different parts of the care team. We know that if you can't schedule within a common platform that may relate to delays in care, I mean, really uh, potentially introduce a lack of continuity for the care teams in terms of transitions and hands-offs. The other impact is that from the provider perspective, you know, it, there's certain providers that from an administrative backend would be working in both of these tools, probably less so the clinicians on a day-to-day -day basis. But that adds, you know, additional burden and administrative complexity as they're ensuring that they know all of the ins and outs of the workflows and how these tools function so that they can record data and record other patient interactions effectively. So really sets them up a much more complex working environment than is probably um, ideal. I think that this is a grand example of form driving function. And when you talk about whole person care and integrated care, but you serve that care with two disparate systems, it, it's, it's kind of, it really is dissonant. It makes total sense to be able to have a single integrated tool that allows seamless flow between the behavioral health aspects of the patient's care and the uh, physical aspects, and some of that information being available in real time to providers on both sides is absolutely critical for safety, quality of care, patient engagement, patient satisfaction. It's, it's actually distressing to think that 50% of groups are offering integrated care with disparate uh, health information technology platforms. Interesting. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the results as it relates to the case management and population health? I was somewhat surprised to see the number of groups that felt that they actually had population health, even though we don't exactly know what that comprised of, whether it was some method of uh, doing quality measures, uh, creating cohorts. It could have been anything from a full-fledged, full-featured population health tool to a, a very rudimentary uh, system to collect some information. But it was striking to me that when leaders were asked what the most important functions and capabilities uh, were of an integrated solution, a third of them felt that population health and care management was, was critically important. And I tend, um, obviously, I'm somewhat biased in this area, but 
tend to agree because sure. the ability to monitor cohorts, to separate cohorts, to do risk assessment, to apply predictive analytics, to uh, create uh, patient engagement and outreach tools that are automated, uh, it, it are all functions of an evolved population health tool and obviously critically important to the success of this model. Yes, interesting observations and findings. Uh, to learn more about the results of this survey, check in next week at nextgen.com forward slash blog so you can read Graham's article on this topic. I want to thank Dr. Betty Rabinowitz and Graham Brown for joining me today, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We publish a new podcast each Friday, so if you'd like to get a reminder when new episodes are posted, please subscribe. This is Dr. Marty Lustick with NextGen Healthcare. Thanks, and have a great day.